Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart for a year, and what a year it has been. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Make Woke AF Daily your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Snakes, zombies, sharks, heights, speaking in public. The list of fears is endless. But while you're clutching your blanket in the dark, wondering if that sound in the hall was actually a footstep, the real danger is in your hand when you're behind the wheel. And while you might think a great white shark is scary, what's really terrifying and even deadly is distracted driving. Eyes forward. Don't drive distracted. Brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, and welcome to the Spirited Actor Podcast with me, Tracy Moore. I was a casting director for film and TV and commercials for over 30 years. I transitioned to a celebrity acting coach after I cast a film, New Jersey Drive, with executive producer Spike Lee and director Nick Gomez. I auditioned every rapper from Biggie Smalls to Tupac. And I realized that rappers and musical artists, they needed help transitioning to acting. My clients consist of musical artists from Buster Rhymes to Eve, Missy Elliott, Angela Yee from The Breakfast Club, and Vanessa Simmons, to name a few. I also coach sports stars and host as well. I feel I have the best of both worlds. As a casting director, I know exactly what they're looking for. And as an acting coach, I can coach you to be remembered in that room. Now, I know. I know actors want to get the job. I get that. But being remembered by a casting director, that is powerful. And now it's time for meditation of the day. You must begin wherever you are. Jack Bolin. As an actor, you are going to be required to make a lot of decisions in your life. If you learn now to trust your inner voice, you will make the right choices because those choices come from a higher place. I have had endless situations where I have listened and learned from my inner voice. If acting is what you truly want to do, then do it. Do it with love and share your talents with the world. They may not appreciate them all the time, but the important thing is that you do. Today, I will allow my inner voice to coach me along the way. Snakes, zombies, sharks, heights, speaking in public, the list of fears is endless. But while you're clutching your blanket in the dark, wondering if that sound in the hall was actually a footstep, the real danger is in your hand when you're behind the wheel. And while you might think a great white shark is scary, what's really terrifying and even deadly is distracted driving. Eyes forward. 
Don't drive distracted. Brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of On Purpose. On Purpose's mission is to create impactful conversations to help you become happier, healthier, and more healed. This week, I talked to Tiffany Haddish in a hilarious, deep, thoughtful interview where we dive into family trauma, grief, sobriety, love, and dating. You'll be laughing, crying, and have so many impactful takeaways after this interview. I had this, like, you know, homie lover friend for a long time. He's very disrespectful to me, very kind of messed up to me. But in my mind, we could get married. We had the most beautiful babies. He handsome. I'm pretty. Like, it would be so cool. He's smart and intellectual. I'm kind of smart, I think. Like, it would be fun. We have the best conversations. Like, we have fun. But then he would treat me like crap. Listen to on purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss this one. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon. Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to the Spirited Active Podcast with me, Tracy Moore. And I, I can't even begin to tell you how heartwarming this conversation is going to be today. I am, it's not, I, it's going to be riveting, um, it, it, truly inspiring. Um, John is so many things. He, um, our, our guest today is, I, I want to say, producer extraordinaire. I always add extraordinaire, John. Thank so yeah, 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 I'm going to give you that. He is producer, award-winning producer extraordinaire, Mr. John Michael Reefer. Put your hands together, ladies and gentlemen. Yay, John! Welcome to the show, John. Thank you. Well, it's a, it's a pleasure to be sitting here chatting with you. John, since we're all chatting from home now. Yes, we are in isolation for a reason. And um, I love, I mean, just to start off, ladies and gentlemen, to see the background, which is... Um, I can't even just, is this a poster board that is rigged? Yeah, it's a, it's a poster board. I mean, I, I made it into my background, but I have it all the time. So it's a poster board. And what I've decided to do is, so all the projects that I'm interested in keeping track mm-hmm. of uh, or developing, I've got them listed in order of um, genre. So docuseries, films, books, um, pitch ideas. Uh, I've got them listed and then who's involved in the projects as that changes. Um, and then in terms of the hierarchy of which project is further along in development, which mm-hmm. project needs more work or sometimes have to let it go. One of the projects that's on the board, um, Don Cheadle, uh, I don't, I wouldn't say cheated me out of, but Don Cheadle found it as interesting as I did mm. to raise money more quickly than I. So I'm looking forward to, to their interpretation of it. Oh, okay. Well, I mean, for for my audience that cannot see this, um, it is so 
organized. It is so thorough. It is so clean. <laughs> like, you know, um, I have to say that um, in all the years, which is well over 20 years that I've known you, it has been such a pleasure to watch your growth in this industry. And we, we grew up together. We so, did. you know, um, going back to, you know, to the early Spike Lee days um, and you earlier than me. Um, by, so, by an inch, by an inch. Cause um, yeah, yeah, not, yeah. I mean, I was there. I just hadn't gotten to 40 acres and a mule yet, <laughs> but you were there. I don't know. Um, if, I don't even know 40 acres was ex- I don't think 40 acres existed when I was there. So my, my original no. relationship with Spike, uh, I was uh, hired as a costume designer for She's Gotta Have It. Right. Um, and I was, as a series of serendipitous events brought me in front of him and uh, it worked out. And I got hired to design the costumes for that particular film. I'd been, I'd been working. That was the first her- film. That was the, that was my first my first opportunity as a costume designer. I'd been working right. on film prior to that and working as a wardrobe person. My original my my foundational experience was at Parsons School of Design. And I mm. uh, worked as a designer, so I worked as a I got a degree as a fashion designer. I worked on Seventh Avenue, and I got a really great opportunity. A friend of mine was having some difficulty uh, at the Light Opera Company of Manhattan, and somebody mm-hmm. quit or got fired. I don't remember which one it is, and mm-hmm. that person. I went in to help them with the costumes. It was the Pirates of Penzance. Oh, and my God. Helping them, uh, the wardrobe woman there uh, worked for Woody Allen's costume designer. And she said, you know, you sew pretty quickly and you seem like you know what you're doing. You mm-hmm. want to work? So I said, sure. So she wrote this address and said, come here on Monday and we'll put you to work. So that was uh, the year, the year escapes me, but it was Pope Rose at Cairo and my first job that day was putting a hem in wow. that Mir Farrow was wearing. So that that began That's one of my show. favorite movies as a um, of Woody Allen. Yeah, in, in working in the film because at that point I was I was working on Seventh Avenue and my mm-hmm. career track was set to at some point be a fashion designer, have my own label, and you know be Willie Smith the third. Oh my God, Willie Smith! So <laughs> I, I ended up working <laughs> as a wardrobe supervisor. For, <laughs> excuse me. Uh, I think I did another. I did another Woody Allen film, and then uh, I, I just I, I got sucked into the business, and I, I began working as a wardrobe supervisor, and then in art. And uh, but as, as I kept doing that, I knew that my skill set as a fashion designer could be useful. So I kept looking for an opportunity to costume design, and a friend of mine, Tracy Camilla Johns, introduced yeah. me to Spike and gave me the opportunity to design a film, which is She's Gotta Have It. Mm, the first, not the first uh, theatrically released because he had done Joe's Barbershop prior yeah, to that. He had done Joe's Barbershop, and I, I knew a number of the people from that experience, but I, I, wasn't, mm. I wasn't in the cool loop because right. I was <laughs> really, like, I was an outsider. Well, she's got to have it because classic. It, I mean, you know, blessed she was able to bring it back, you know, yeah. so that speaks of its work. I wanted to share with the audience that, um, you know, um, you sent me this beautiful uh, breakdown, um, tried to be a summary of your career. But the last part, the takeaway, I want to read this to the audience because I think that, um, especially now, 
It's very valid, right? So you say about your life, the takeaway of these stories, be open to luck happening to you, be willing to contribute your best efforts when you show up. Lastly, do the right thing, whether anyone is watching or not. Yeah, I, I, I would say, I mean, I think you, the broader audience for your podcasts are actors, maybe? Yeah, I mean, creative beings. Creative people, but actors. As well. And mm-hmm. I, I think it's, you know, it's really, really hard because actors, they don't have any idea of the arbitrary nature of what this is. I mean, an mm-hmm. actor shows up in a room and maybe they got some sides, maybe they didn't. And I think there's a lot of, that they tie into that. Mm -hmm. I would suggest that they may try to let go of, which is try to just be in the room. Um, I've been in so many situations where what the producer's director was looking for specifically Mm -hmm. and someone else showed up uh, and they showed up as themselves and the energy of them, of being themselves created a whole gravitational force Mm -hmm. that shifted everybody's imagination and go, wow, you know, the, the, the lead is a woman, she's blonde and she's tall and she's sexy. Mm-hmm. And somebody who is not blonde, not tall, and not considered sexy shows up and makes, and makes magic in the room. Mm-hmm. So be open to luck. Be open to, be, open to, be open to the possibility that you indeed are the right person mm-hmm. um, for the moment that you're in. Uh, because you, you just, you never know. I mean, you're, you as a casting director know working with directors, the director will tell you, I'm looking for this. So mm-hmm. you're down in a, in a grade, you know, women that are five feet tall, women of a certain age and so on. Right. And then somebody sneaks in the casting room and they yeah. go, who's that? Right. Um, and I always say that's why there's erasers, liquid paper, and delete buttons. Changes happen all the time. Changes happen <laughs> all the time. So I, 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 for actors, I would say, be open to luck. And in terms of people, creatives and productions, be open to luck because, you know, you, if, you, if you put yourself in the path of, of great opportunity, mm-hmm. then let, let the great opportunity unfold for you. Sometimes we get tied to, you get tied to a specific outcome mm-hmm. and, you know, you let, you let go what is the better of the two outcomes. That so... Be um, and I and I, I so appreciate love um, what you are saying directly to actors because they need to hear this because a lot of times it's about immediate gratification. A lot of times it's about you know um, uh, making it happen and moving it along. I want you to um, tell them because you are an award-winning producer, and I do want you to tell them the story, the beginning, and how that parlayed because. It is about your work ethic. You know, I'm, ladies and gentlemen, I'm not making fun of his background. I'm saying this is why he is where he is. You know, there's a plan, there's strategy. And you are also taking um, advantage of this time where we're all on the same plane right now. And so we have two choices and you've chosen to continue to forge on and to continue to continue to on. And we need to hear that and see that. So, um, that's what that background is about, but it's also the integrity that you talk about because you never know who people are. Right. And just a quick little thing. When I was the casting director, 
my assistant and I, we would rush towards the elevator, right? As the elevator doors would close and we would say, hold the door, hold the door. And back then, you know, we had the big VHSs, camera, (laughs) tripod, sun, right? Right. So we would say, hold the door, hold the door. And and they'd be like, "Uh right? And the door would close. Cut to they would be the actor walking into the room and I'm sitting behind the table as the casting director. Right. Tree people, son. And that's the humanity part that I love about you as well. So I want you to to walk them through that story. Uh, The last, the last story that I sent you. The first story. The first one. The the, the first story is just serendipity. Um, uh, Like I said, Tracy Camilla Johns is a, we were great schoolmates um, in suburban Queens, New York. And we ran, we simply ran into each other. I think she was working as an extra on a project and I was a PA or something. And she started mm-hmm. to tell me that she's involved in this really amazing project. Um, and I really should meet the director. And I, I was really looking for an opportunity to become a costume designer um, to show my, my worth. Mm-hmm. And you know, I was I was open to her doing that. And I think what I would say to people is, you know, you, you talk to somebody who's an extra and they say there's a great opportunity. I think it could have been easy to dismiss that and go, oh, yeah, 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 whatever, sure. But right. I, but I was open to it. You know, she, she, she and I have been really good friends for a long time. And so I said, okay, sure. I, I set up the meeting and I'm, I think we had, we had two meetings. And, you know, I liked the story. We talked about what he was interested in. And I was hired, and this was back in the old days. So <laughs> it, it wasn't a it wasn't a complicated process, but right. I suspect that the person, the two or three people that could have come before me, mm-hmm. um, would have been hired. So right. had I not taken the advantage of having luck work for me and and show up, um, then I wouldn't have had that opportunity, which has led to some, you know, great creative moments long right. friendships and relationships and you know a really really great first um foray into storytelling and movie making um from the ground up because that, right. that was the first feature that i worked on as a costume designer and having worked on a number of really huge you know 10 20 million dollar movies uh-huh. I, I didn't have any sense of how complicated movie making was uh-huh. um, when we did She's Gotta Have It, I think there were maybe 20 of us in a very hot loft. And uh-huh. you know, I saw what people did and understood that. And all those lessons imprinted on me as I finally became a producer, creating uh, work of my own or helping other people to create work. Um, uh-huh. All those lessons from making She's Gotta Have It in a number of indie low-budget movies uh, yeah. helped um, guide my, my hand as we made movies and told stories. You definitely have the work ethic of by any means necessary. So I want you to tell us about um, as an independent producer, prior to you getting there, how uh, the story of how you were able to um, land that job as associate producer on the film. So I was, I was making a movie. Uh, it's, it's, I don't know if it's available anywhere. It's a movie called The Game, which is a really interesting story the game. Okay. About, the, about the mayor's race in New York City. And it's often confused with the Michael Douglas movie, which it's not. Yes, as um, This movie has a little more bite and depth to it. So I was a wardrobe assistant on that film, and the film had run into tremendous financial trouble. Uh, we were shooting in New York uh, at the courthouse on the east side in uh, East Harlem. And the crew 
hadn't been paid for, I think, about two weeks. Mm. So uh, during, that, during that particular session, we were doing the courtroom scene. Uh, at the end of lunch, the crew walked off the set. And right. they had a conflict. They demanded their money, and it didn't work out. So as we sat there waiting, because we were, I was upstairs. I didn't know all this was going on. Right. Uh, waiting and waiting for us to come back from lunch. Finally, someone says, well, how, what's going on? How long is this going to take? So probably, I mean, an hour, hour and a half had passed. So I go to the producer and I go, listen, we're upstairs. What's going on with, you know, what, what's happening? And I recognized, first of all, nobody was there. It was just the producer mm -hmm. and his wife. Um, and he lamented to me that they, they, they were demanding their money um, and they all walked off. And if I mm -hmm. wanted to leave too, I could leave. And I, I wasn't part of that sort of uh, hierarchy. So I was like, uh, all right. So I, I went upstairs to pack up the crew and pack up the casters and said, listen, right. so shoot anymore. So someone asked me what happened and I told them, I said, there was a dispute about money. Um, so the crews walked off and this extra says to me, well, how much money? And I'm like, well, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. So right. he says, well, can you find out? I'm like, fine. So I go down to the producer. I says, well, the extra upstairs is asking how much money is this dispute over? Mm -hmm. so the producer was fifteen thousand dollars last wages for the last two weeks. So I go and I tell this guy. Turns out the guy the guy was an extra who was moonlighting as an attorney. And he goes, "Is that all? That's that's all this was about?" Yes, attorney. So I say to him, he "Apparently, yeah." So I introduce <laughs> him to the producer, and they start talking about what it is. And we shut down for a week, and uh -huh. that attorney helped us raise the the back the $15,000 to pay off the crew to get us a new, a new crew. We got a new crew. We started shooting and uh -huh. we ran out of money again. Wow. So as a result <laughs> of making the first uh, connection, I got bumped up from wardrobe supervisor, wardrobe, wardrobe assistant uh -huh. to associate producer. Uh -huh. So at some point the guy goes, well, how much money do you guys need? <laughs> so then he says, I said, well, I'm not really sure. So we, we take a meeting, we talk about it. And he helped us raise the remaining budget for the film to complete the movie. Right. Is, this, is 19, this is 1986, 87, wow. around the crash. Wow. Uh, he helped us raise $800,000 to complete the film. That's amazing. So I, was, I went from uh, wardrobe assistant to associate producer to producer. <laughs> and, you know, after <laughs> that experience, I decided that I would I would make any story that anybody would compensate me, or even time they wouldn't. So I made music videos and uh, infomercials and mm -hmm. corporates and just anything um, that anything that I could figure out a way to pay a crew, get some equipment, and pay an editor. Um, I showed up, and for a wow. long time, you know, it was really difficult. Um, it was very very often. I did not make enough money at the end of the year to break mm -hmm. even. So mm -hmm. many times, for many years, not only was I a peripheral producer, I was on the margins of the edge of the margins. Um, right. But I got the bug and I just, I, I love telling stories. Yeah. And I began to really yeah. gravitate toward helping other people tell their stories. Right. My production knowledge led me to understand how to execute. So for a while, I'm, I, maybe two or three years, I made student, I, I exclusively made student films. So I worked with a number of graduate students from NYU, Columbia, uh, UCLA, um, Hunter, 
and I helped them make their films. Um, and I, you know, I was able to have these really simple conversations. I read the script. I talked to them. We talked about how much money they had or how much right. money they, they needed to raise, how they could deliver a film. And I helped them do that. And my resume probably includes about maybe 50 short films. Wow. That I'm really, really proud of. And mm -hmm. a, number of those, a number of those directors are household names or established figures in the industry now that I can rely on for advice or mm. um, we, we sometimes connect on projects and, and work together. That's great that you maintain those relationships and that they pay it forward like that to you. I mean, that says a lot about you and, you know, the knowledge and the wisdom that you're, you're passing the baton onto the next. Yeah. Story. I mean, I, I think that what I've been able to do with my skill set is really hone in on not having much money, but delivering in the end. Cause a number, you know, people get started to make a film and they have these great ideas Mm -hmm. And for a long time, I mean, probably all through the 90s, there was a, a movement to get it in the can. Mm -hmm. And a number of people that I know still have movies in the can. Uh, I, I focused my sites a little longer, which was how can we, do, how can we deliver this movie and get it into audiences' um, hands? So right. if it's just a film festival, or even if it's just for your cousins, uh -huh. um, to, to show your work, be proud of it, and to learn. Because sometimes you make a story that you really believe in, but you may not have the appropriate skill set to execute that story. Right. And then you discover that. I mean, I, I recognize a number of the people that I worked with in the past. Right. They, they really came to real, come to Jesus moment to realize that this making, <laughs> making movies wasn't for them. In terms right. of storytelling, in right. terms of raising money, in terms of managing, mm -hmm. uh, executing. This, this wasn't for them. And they learned it eh, $10,000 and right. you know, $5,000. And they didn't learn it after raising half a million dollars and just embarrassing themselves because they, they weren't ready or right. this, this wasn't for them. This is not for everyone. No, it's not. There's a stamina that you need in this, you know, just in general, in a body stamina, a mind stamina, a spirit stamina to stay in. Because I'm sure you know as well there are um, people that you work with in the beginning that are not in the industry now by choice. Yeah. They left or got frustrated or, yeah. you know, and, so and that we're, we're, at a, we're at a difficult place, you know, being minorities, telling stories that are of interest to us. I think it is my hope that as we emerge from this reset, right. Um, that maybe people will storytellers as well as talent, um, begin to make a decision to tell the stories we want to tell. Mm -hmm. uh, one, of, one, of the, one of the real drawbacks of this business is we are narrowly pigeonholed into telling the stories we think we can sell. Wow. And when I work with student filmmakers, I really encourage them to go for it because this is probably the last opportunity you're going to have to tell the story you want to tell and say what you want to say. Um, mm -hmm. And then, you know, the passion that goes into that is the thing that people get on screen when they see your story and it resonates with them because it's really a, a passionate story. But as you, as you get into the industry, you begin to work with people who, who's the decision with the decision makers who have decided what they think is important. Um, right. So, you know, your, your first and mostly sometimes only opportunity is to sell an idea. Um, and I think this may be the moment that we need to take, to think about the ideas we just, we simply just want to make.
Um, yeah, I agree. And use our energy, resources, talent, and team to make those stories, um, however we can, at what scale. I, I don't know if it's I don't know if it's as important as it used to be to have your movie um, in a theater where people sat down to watch. Mm-hmm. It. I, right. I, I don't think that's ever going to go away. I don't right. know if that is as important as it used to be, which gives right. you latitude. Um, you might not need as wide an audience in order to have your venture be successful in terms of uh, paying off your investors or, or giving you the opportunity to make your next project. I agree. Um, what advice do you have to actors, especially during this time where, you know, we are in isolation and, um, you know, they're, they're creative beings, you know, I encourage them as actors to keep, uh, honing their craft and working on acting, you know, we have zoom. So you have the ability to read scenes with someone, you know, um, I coach via Skype sessions. So as a producer, being inventive. Uh, Twinkie Bird has this uh, short film, one minute. Um, you shoot it on any smartphone device and um, you have to shoot it, edit it, and it's one minute, right? So, you know, what advice would you give them in terms of writing their story? What story? Well, I, I would say the first thing that I would say would seem counterintuitive, which is to read. I think making an opportunity to create depth in your understanding of the world will, will carry you in the room in a different way. So I would say read, read books, read philosophy, read autobiographies, uh, read novels. I would also say if you, if you think you have the acumen, learn another language. Because uh, if you learn another language, then you have an opportunity to delve into the stories of that particular culture which again Ooh. gives you depth because I think what is powerful is like when that. an actor understands the story, right? right? Well, I'm the hero, I'm the villain, you know, I'm the girlfriend, I'm the boyfriend, but the story, the depth of the story, the arc of it. So, I mean, in, in the West, in America, Shakespeare is what people hold in high regard. Mm-hmm. There, are a number of other, there are a number of other stories, uh, but uh, read, 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 read. Excellent. I love that. And I would say the other thing is, you know, look at all the stories that look at all the stories that were made from movies. Uh-huh. I would go back and read those books and watch those movies mm-hmm. because I think again you need to understand you need to understand what the filmmakers decided to do and how they were inspired. So if you if you read the book mm-hmm. and see see that the the depth of what the filmmakers called from, mm-hmm. you can walk in the room with more depth. Then right. I'm the wife, you know, right. You're the wife in 1950, you're the wife in 1940, you're the right. wife in 1800, um, you're the wife in the third century. What does that mean in contextually? What does that mean about how the character moves, how they breathe, how they eat, right. um, what, what right. they understand about the world? Right. I think if, if you're, if you don't have a depth of knowledge of these, of all these ideas, you, you just read the sides. And yeah, you, <laughs> you shout or you mm-hmm. whisper when you. It's more than that. Yeah, it's a lot more than that. Um, and I think build. I think building a team is is another important thing. Look for people who mm-hmm. are like minded in terms of especially actors to work with to bounce ideas off of um, okay. to get clear, um, honest, supportive critique. Right about your work and your capacity. Okay. Um, 
and the actors, I think, you know, act. Look at a movie, yeah. take a scene, get your friends together, get a camera, and, and do reenactments of, of those beats and those moments to see, right. if I, to see if you can find your own voice in there, right. or to see if you can understand what was happening. Excellent. You know what? Um, I'm so sad because this is the end of the interview. Um, it flew by. Like I have a list of questions <laughs> that I did not get to. It seems that, you know, I feel so blessed that everybody that comes on the show, um, they're just a wealth of knowledge that we can't get in 28 minutes. So John, again, I always extend the invitation to people to come back and, sure. um, would love to talk more in depth about your specific films and also your relationship as a producer with actors. So I am going to reach out to you again, my friend. Um, so John, I know that the actors are so inspired by your words and your wisdom. They want to reach out to you. How can they reach out to you? Uh, and anyone from your uh, listening audience can reach me at John Reefer on Instagram. John Reefer on All Instagram. one word, J-O-H-N-R-E-E-F like Frank E-R at Instagram. Excellent. All right. Thank you for being on the show. It was, it was mind-blowing and definitely inspiring and storytelling. This is what we really do. We tell stories. So the stories that are going on now, I'm sure there's some amazing stories yeah, that are a lot of amazing going stories. on in our world, right? Life in the time of the pandemic. There are a lot of stories. Yep. So um, we will stay positive. We will stay healthy and well. Um, so Wash your hands and don't touch your face. <laughs> okay. All right. Reefer Thank out. Thank you. Thank you, John Reefer. You're I welcome. appreciate your love. Um, and next, we're going to have class in session on the Spirited Actor podcast with me, Tracy Moore. Snakes, zombies, sharks, heights, speaking in public. The list of fears is endless. But while you're clutching your blanket in the dark, wondering if that sound in the hall was actually a footstep, the real danger is in your hand when you're behind the wheel. And while you might think a great white shark is scary, what's really terrifying and even deadly is distracted driving. Eyes forward. Don't drive distracted. Brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of On Purpose. On Purpose's mission is to create impactful conversations to help you become happier, healthier, and more healed. This week, I talked to Tiffany Haddish in a hilarious, deep, thoughtful interview where we dive into family trauma, grief, sobriety, love, and dating. You'll be laughing, crying, and have so many impactful takeaways after this interview. I had this, like, you know, homie lover friend for a long time. He's very disrespectful to me, very kind of messed up to me. But in my mind, we could get married. We had the most beautiful babies. He handsome. I'm pretty. Like, it would be so cool. He's smart and intellectual. I'm kind of smart, I think. Like, it would be fun. We have the best conversations. Like, we have fun. But then he would treat me like crap. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss this one. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, 
Cain Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to the Spirited Actor Podcast with me, Tracy Moore. And this is my favorite segment, Class in Session. And we have Spirited Actor alumni, Leanne Amato. Yeah. <laughs> and welcoming for his first time, Miles hello. Ross. Hello, hey, hello. Miles. Hello, hello, hello. <laughs> Thank you, my spirited actors, for being here and doing the wave. Thank you for doing the wave. That's always important. <laughs> okay, so we're going to continue on with the show. And we have a scene that... Um, Leanne and Miles are going to read. I'm going to read the slug lines and I'm going to challenge you actors to email me and tell me what a slug line is. You can email me at the spirited actor podcast at gmail.com, the spirited actor podcast at gmail.com. And let me know what a slug line is. I want to make sure you're listening to the podcast and that you're learning as well. Okay. So we're going to start the scene off. You guys ready? Yeah. Okay. Penthouse, living room, interior evening. Edward comes in, followed by Vivian. Edward looks at his mail lying on a small table. Vivian throws her hat and gloves on another table with a nervous movement. Edward turns around to look at her. You, you all right? I'm fine. She walks fine. away. <laughs> fine, that's that's good. Seven seven fines since we left the match. Can can I get into the word, please? Vivian enters the bathroom. <sighs> Asshole. There's a word. She slams the bathroom door. I think I like fine better. Edward drops his mail and the newspaper on the desk. Vivian opens the bathroom door and stands near the open door. You know what? Just tell me one thing. Why did you make me get all dressed up? Well, well, for one thing, the clothing was appropriate. No, what I mean is, if you were going to tell everyone that I'm a hooker, why didn't you just let me wear my own clothes? I, 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 I did not. I mean, I not. my own clothes, when someone like that guy Stucky comes up to me, I can handle it. I'm prepared. Edward starts unlacing his shoe. Vivian is trying unsuccessfully to open a bottle of Coca-Cola. I, I'm very sorry. I'm, I'm not happy with Stucky at all for saying or doing that, but he is my attorney. I've, I've known him for, for 10 years. He thought you were some kind of industrial spy. He's, he's paranoid. So what are you, like my pimp now? You know, do you, you think you could just pass me to your friends? I'm not some little toy. I, look, you're not my toy. Okay, I, I, I know you're not my toy. She walks towards the bathroom. Vivian, Vivian, I, I'm speaking to you. Come back here. Vivian was ready to enter the bathroom, but she turns around. I hate to point out the obvious, but you are, in fact, a hooker, and you are my employee. Look, you don't own me, okay? I decide who, I decide I, when, I decide who. I, I refuse to spend the next three days fighting with you. I said I was sorry. I meant it. And that's the end of it. I am sorry that I ever met you. 
She walks away into the bathroom. You know, I'm, I'm sorry that I ever got into your stupid car. He walks towards the bathroom, enters it, and starts taking his tie off in front of the mirror. As if you had many more appealing options. <laughs> Vivian comes back to the bathroom door, carrying a bunch of clothes. I have never, ever had anyone in my life make me feel as cheap as you did today. Somehow I find that very hard to believe. She gets out of the bathroom with her arms full of clothes. She picks up a small handbag and puts it on her shoulder. Then she tries to pick up a larger handbag. Um, where, where, are you, where are you going? I want my money. I want to get out of here. He gets his wallet from inside pocket jacket. He opens the wallet and gets a large wad of banknotes out of it. They are all $100 bills. Vivian, who hasn't moved, starts walking away towards the living room. Without taking the money, she leaves. Interior penthouse hallway. Vivian, standing near the elevator, nervously presses on the elevator call button. Come on. We hear the penthouse door opening, but Vivian doesn't look at it and keeps looking at the elevator in front of her. Edward is coming out of the penthouse and walks towards Vivian. I'm sorry. I, I wasn't. I wasn't prepared to answer questions about us. You know, I, it, it was stupid and, and, and cruel. And I, I didn't mean it. Okay, I, I don't want you to go. Can you stay the week? Why? I saw you talking to David Morse. I didn't like it. We were just talking. He chuckles. I didn't like it. The elevator door dings, the elevator door opens, and a smiling Dennis appears. Down. Dennis feels some tension between Edward and Vivian and stops smiling. He goes back into the elevator, presses a button, and the door closes. You hurt me. Yes. Don't do it again. They look at each other for a couple of seconds and slowly walk back to the penthouse and scene. Wow. Nice, you guys. Nice. Wow. I felt the tension. Um, I'm going to give you guys a couple of notes. Um, so the truth is, Every actor has an intention. What do you want? So what is the truth, Leanne? What do you want? I mean, I want to be with him, but I want to mm -hmm. feel, you know, respected. And he hasn't made me feel anything less than that up until this point. Right. I want to feel important. I want to feel like a priority. And a person. I think more than anything else, because him identifying you as a hooker, his friends identifying you as a hooker, it's almost like permission to disrespect you or, you know, you're not really one of us. So I think that just, and he's the last person that you would have thought that would have made you feel like that. Right. Yeah. So with you miles, mm -hmm. you have this front that you are keeping up and yes. that's not the truth of who you are. Um, you may be about that life and the money and, you know, the prestige, but in terms of the core, what do you want? Uh, I honestly, I want her. Okay, um, good. 
you know, but it's kind of like trying to keep that uh, macho manness about me. Right. But that, that doesn't work in a relationship. You know, you have to be vulnerable in a relationship. You have to try to seek understanding. And at the end, I, you know, I, I realized that and I understand that. And I realized, you know, some of the things that I said, I shouldn't have said, you right. know, from my own ego and from my own pride. And before you come out of the penthouse, and this is where actors need to do the work and prepare, but before you come out of the penthouse, all of that work needs to be done. You need to be conflicted while she's at that elevator. Why are you conflicted? You know, are you going to be vulnerable? Which is, you know, that's trusting. Do you trust her to be vulnerable? There's a lot of stuff before you come out that you need to go through the layers of. Because that's going to give so much weight to the scene. And then you just want to get out of there. Because now you found the truth, Leon, of what he really thinks it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that, you know, just don't do it again. Whatever his act, his reaction is, it's got to confirm to you that he's never going to do that again. He's learned his lesson. Because why else would you go into the penthouse? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I have to feel like his, like his sincerity about it. Yeah, that has to resonate. And Miles, you have to give her something to make her feel that. One of the things that I do like is how you are giving these breaths to her and these pauses, which is making it difficult to really say what you want to say. And she's not letting up on it, which is very engaging to watch. Okay, so let's do it again, you guys. And let's let's pull from those things. Let's pull from the truth. The truth is both of you, um, you're at that stage where you both, really like each other almost let you know we're past the lust and now it's that place where it's like well who who am i in your life Mm. what is my you know i mean and if you want me fight claim me okay all right let's do that all right (laughs) so now we're going to do it again you guys and i'm not going to read the slug line Whatever that is, ladies and gentlemen, who are going to email me and tell me. And I'm not going to read the action. You guys are just going to go with the scene, so we're going to watch it. Okay? Whenever you guys are ready. Are you all right? I'm fine. Fine. That's good. Fine, fine. Seven fine since we left the match. Can Can I get another word, please? Mm. Asshole. Okay, there's a word. I think I like fine better. You know what? Just tell me one thing. Why did you make me get all dressed up? Well, for one thing, the clothing was appropriate. No, I mean, if you were going to just tell everybody that I'm a hooker, why did you just wear your own clothes? I did not. No, you did. And in my own clothes, when someone like that guy stuck, he comes up to me. I can handle it. I'm prepared. I'm very sorry. I, I'm, I'm not happy with Stucky at all for what he for, for saying or doing that. But he's my attorney. I, I've known him for 10 years. You know, he thought you were some, some kind of industrial spy. So, okay. The guy's paranoid. So what do you like, my pimp now? You think you could just pass me off to your friends? Because I'm not some little toy. Look, you're, you're, you're not my toy. I know you're not my toy. Vivian, 
Vivian, I- I'm speaking to you. Come back here. I hate to point out the obvious, but you are, in fact, a hooker and you are my employee. Listen, you don't own me, okay? I say who, and I say when. I, I say who. I refuse to spend the next three days fighting with you. I said I was sorry. I meant it. And that's the end of it. You know what? I am sorry that I ever met you. I'm sorry that I got into your stupid car. As if you had so many more appealing options. You know what? I have never had anybody make me feel so cheap as you did today. Somehow I find that very hard to believe. Where, where are you going? I want my money. I want to get out of here. Come on. I'm sorry. I, I wasn't prepared to answer questions about us. It it was stupid and and cruel. I I didn't mean it. Okay, I don't don't want you to go. Will you stay stay the week? Why? I saw you talking to David Morris, and I didn't like it. We were just talking. I didn't like it. You really hurt me. Yes. Don't I'll do it again. Wow. See. Oh. Bravo. Great job. Great job. Great job. A couple of things. Um, just a few things. Leon, um, in the beginning, you tell us who he is. Earmuffs, Ryan. He you say he's an asshole. So that gives a clue to you, Miles, how you should be. Because what would be nice is seeing you come from that to showing your vulnerability when you say, I'm sorry, that's going to be the switch. Right. And then with you, Leanne, when you said, um, um, I, 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 I should have never gotten in that car or you're, what you're really saying is I hate you so much, you know, and that's a pivotal point for you. So, um, you, you, you play him as an asshole until you, you don't. And that's what we see your transition in that scene. Mm. Does that make sense? Yes, totally. Okay. Excellent. Um, okay. So 
That is the end of class and session. Put your hands together for Leanne Amato. And welcome, Miles Cross. Yay. Thank you. All right. Well, this love is next. So stay tuned to the Spirited Actor Podcast with me, Tracy Moore. Thank you. And now it's time for Give Love. If we all believe we will get through all challenges and obstacles before us, then we will. If we all believe that we won't get through obstacles and challenges before us, then we won't. It works both ways. However, sometimes we only see one way. Challenges build character in all of us. As actors, the characters you portray are all going through something. Then they overcome it. That's what stories are made of. Challenges and triumphs. Thank you for joining us on the Spirited Actor Podcast with me, Tracy Moore. I look forward to our next Spirited Podcast. Thank you. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily Podcast. We've been with iHeart for a year, and what a year it has been. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Make Woke AF Daily your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Snakes, zombies, sharks, heights, speaking in public. The list of fears is endless. But while you're clutching your blanket in the dark, wondering if that sound in the hall was actually a footstep, the real danger is in your hand when you're behind the wheel. And while you might think a great white shark is scary, what's really terrifying and even deadly is distracted driving. Eyes forward, don't drive distracted. Brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty, Sports Scandals, Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.